0: You are listening to Living with Corona, Bridging the Gaps, a podcast that aims to initiate a larger global conversation about the current pandemic and address the questions we feel have largely been left unanswered.
1: This podcast started as a conversation between three friends in three different countries, each confiding in one another about the exceptional situation our global society is living through. The conversation does not and should not end with us three
2: women.
0: Our goal is to address the questions and concerns we have today by listening to the experiences of others.
1: Our efforts and intentions are honest with the objective being to build an understanding between people that bridges continents and connects our world.
0: Listen in, speak up, and be heard.
1: For today's episode, I spoke with Sebei Wang from Wuhan, who alongside her mother managed to escape merely 20 minutes before the city went into lockdown.
3: So I can still remember that day, like six o'clock in the morning, my mom was like splashing my door and she was like, oh my God, you better get up because mm-hmm. they're going to steal off the city. So I go back to China like twice a year normally. Things like my background is slightly special as um, most of my friends and my far relatives, mm-hmm. they actually work in the hospital, like those two biggest mm-hmm. hospitals in Wuhan. So we always hear something, you know, before um, anyone else, mm-hmm. things, you know, just kind of like the news for the staff. And that was actually the first time I heard about it. It was like on the New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. So one of my friends' mom was like telling us that there is something going on like in the hospital Mm -hmm. because apparently there were a group of like medical staff. They didn't go home on, um, on the day before and the whole floor, that whole floor, I think, I can't remember like what department was there, but there was like one whole floor was, like, completely blocked and isolated. So people are not allowed to come in or come out. And, yeah, people don't know what's happening, but they were, like, talking about, oh, there might be, like, the SARS And, yeah, at the beginning... People freak out, like, a little bit, but no one actually taking that seriously. And, yeah, me and my girls, we still went out to celebrate New Year's. And there was, like, heaps of people, like, out there. It's just crazy. And, yeah, we were just, like, talking about how lucky we were that we didn't pick up the virus. Because, yeah, it was packed that night.
0: From her account, it seems to echo that of many around the world with the discrepancies in the flow of information, like who was getting what information, at what time, and from who. As the base said, she kind of had an ear to the door in terms of having close connections that worked for the hospitals and the media.
2: But what about those who didn't have direct connections? It's just really an illustration of the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that can get messy really quickly because while having an insider perspective on the situation in Wuhan was helpful for Tipe and her mother, unsubstantiated claims can and have led to either a lot of panic or widespread disbelief of the data displayed so far.
1: And the information that's being circulated or not um, impacts each individual's response or lack thereof. Tipe and her mother were very well-informed because of their social ties.
3: We know that okay, something's getting a little bit serious because that's how my mom heard from her friends. Because my mom works in the airport, and mm-hmm. there are some like airlines just like start canceling the flights or something like that and um, she got told by like um, her colleagues who knows people from the newspaper and they say okay there might be a chance that they're gonna lock they're gonna steal off the city Mm. and um, the reason like because at at that time I didn't really want to leave like Mm. I just on my holiday and I was still working back that time Mm. and I was just like you know want to go i just want to stay in my city stay in my home something Mm. like that but my mom got panicked because we already paid for the you know the new year education fee so Mm. she was like i already paid you have to go Mm. so yeah i was kind of like forced to (laughs) go out of the city because um most people when they heard the news like they decided of not going out they decided to stay at home so i think that's i think that's a bit different compared to like what the I don't know, other meters is like, talking about. Mm-hmm. So like, from what I know that all my friends and the family, none of them were like trying to get out of the city. They mm-hmm. didn't say, oh, we're gonna escape like from the city.
2: It is so interesting to hear her account of leaving the city, especially since most of the people she knows in Wuhan decided to stay at home and follow the directives of the government.
1: And Seba said that the media reported a huge population flow and influx of people within that week, obviously due to the New Year celebrations, but then also in the hours leading up to the lockdown on the city
3: so I can still remember that day like 6 o'clock in the morning my mom was like splashing my door and she was like oh my god you better get up because they're going to seal off the city and when I got up, I actually got some message from my friends that from mm-hmm. Beijing they told me oh my god you should go otherwise you won't be able to return to New Zealand because they all heard the news like 3 o'clock in the morning so yeah we just literally look at the app, and we I don't know like two ticket like a highway highway train ticket mm-hmm. to Guangzhou and that was like 20 minutes before they officially locked down yeah. the city. It was like 10 o'clock and we got the um, train by 9.40 and yeah I just like ran up my dad and my dad just came to drop us at the highway station but like I think everything was actually okay because like surprisingly on that day Um, like in the highway station, like literally there wasn't many people trying to get out at all. So people decide to stay rather Mm -hmm. than going anywhere
0: else. It's easy to see the correlation between the spread of the virus in China and the time of year it was, as well as the very place it was first spotted in geographically. The combination of a central city in China of 11 million people and the biggest migration movement of the year could only result in a biology bomb. These factors are similarly applicable to other countries where the onset of the crisis coincides with different social events that people were just not ready to give up. For example, spring break in the US was not canceled because of the imminent crisis that would soon arrive. People went about their business for quite some time. Mardi Gras in New Orleans and the packing of Florida beaches registered massive crowds of people from all over.
2: It certainly serves as an example as to how the social response to the crisis impacted what happened next, which all three of us have seen clearly demonstrated in our own countries and citizens' responses in the early days of the crisis.
3: The government actually sent the whole military team like to Wuhan. So what happened is like, we built like two hospitals in the urban area. Mm. I heard people from like, the Europe they were asking me because what they heard from their like social media is saying that we had a fake like hospitals and we were just like lying to the world and that's the time I got quite angry because right, right. we have like our own like social media like for example like the, the rest of the world they had like Facebook and Instagram however in China we have like our beachhead and have our Weibo it's like similar to Facebook and Instagram so what happened was like essentially during um, the whole process of building new hospitals, they all like went on live. So there were actually like millions of people watching them actually building yeah. the hospital. Mm-hmm.
1: This is such an important part of the interview to highlight. I was so relieved that she brought up the exhaustion and anger she felt with the Western portrayal of China's response. Many of those Europeans friends were asking those questions based of no tangible evidence, but clickbait on Instagram and whatever other social media platforms.
0: I think there's a disconnect in some people's minds of what social media is in theory versus how it actually operates in practice. Credibility isn't always questioned when we're looking at our feeds, and when that's the case, harmful conclusions can and have been drawn.
2: Exactly, and they are not very well-informed conclusions either, at least in some cases. The news or current events and its relationship to social media especially in a time of a global crisis such as this, have such an impact on the mindset of the public. And well, not everyone is always going to ask the question of, where did I hear this in questioning the source? Or do I actually know anybody from this place that I'm reading about?
0: And it's our responsibility to be conscious consumers. And that's one of our biggest aims with this podcast is to have people speak for themselves, their experiences, and what they've witnessed. One of the most
1: difficult questions I asked today was about the numbers that were coming out of China in terms of those infected, those who had died. Now, remember, I interviewed her on April 12th and we're recording this episode on May 2nd. However, its relevance has not changed in terms of the larger conversation and bigger questions it sparks for those in China and the rest of the world in looking at their own country's situation.
3: I just like have to remind them as well, because you know how, like China had a second biggest like population in the world. Right. It's really really hard for them to try mm. to get accurate data. Mm. But I do understand people, like, they're probably angry about, oh, why you didn't, like, tell us the exact numbers. Mm. But the thing is, like, if you have to think that, like, more realistic, Mm. it's actually really hard of doing that.
2: I think we've all been experiencing this in our own ways, as well as in Norway, Spain, and the US. Everybody wants to know the accurate data but there are a lot of confounding factors that are not always understood from people who are living in vastly different geographics and societies.
0: This was our leading question going into this interview and this episode. When there is not a standardized formula for calculating the number of infected individuals globally, how should we read and trust the statistics?
1: Even if the data is honest, it depends what government officials and public health experts do with the data. Trusting the numbers goes past science. It's about issues of transparency, but also an issue of realism and understanding how the data is being gathered and analyzed. As testing was delayed or unavailable in certain countries, the reality of the evolution of the virus in those countries remain unclear. There's a need to put numbers not only into place, but also in time.
0: Numbers are not the only thing that needs to be put into context. People's behavior and social relations are also so important in order to understand the spread of the virus and explain how it has either been contained or extended. This is especially relevant for the current situation in the United States, as some states are easing restrictions in an effort to reopen the economy, which is essential. But not one of the states that is phasing out their reopening has met the Center for Disease Control's recommendation for a two-week decline in cases.
2: And realistically, the lockdowns there have not been nearly as significant as in Wuhan. Tipe explained how the government decided to reopen the city only after they were in lockdown for 76 whole days
3: the lockdown has lasted for like 76 days mm the only reason they're gonna reopen the city because they already had some like confidence of controlling this virus. Mm. Like not completely get rid of the virus right. but like the military has already found out the best like the vaccination. They already like text test on those volunteers and they're just like trying to track to see if they have any of the reactions. Yeah. And also because they are like the numbers of new confirmed cases has kind
1: of like been stopped right and i I also teresa and amy we've talked a lot about the theme of confusion that has surrounded this pandemic i think that clip from subay really drives home that issue doing a nation or citywide lockdown is not an immediate or simple process and neither is lifting of any bans or restriction while this interview was just with one woman she makes it clear that this has been her experience through the crisis She's not speaking on behalf of the government, nor hospitals, or any media. Her goal was to lend a voice to hopefully add some understanding where today
0: we seem to have so little. And ultimately, that's the role we hope to play with this podcast. We want to link people from different areas of the world to try and provide some perspective. The best way to learn is through conversation, but a conversation takes more than just talking. We must also listen. With people politicizing the virus, it's caused many to put their empathy on hold.
2: Yes, I mean, pointing the finger and playing the blame game has increasingly dominated the conversation. Emotion sometimes drives more than reason. It is our hope, however, to productively use both to include as many people's voices to the conversation. No one will remain untouched from COVID-19, and it will leave lasting scars on generations. Therefore, no one should remain unheard. I understand people
3: panic. They need yeah. to blame on somebody, but mm-hmm. I feel like Still, we need to think about that cre- clearly. Happy to let the world hear more voice about what's actually happening there. So yeah, thank you for doing this. Yeah. I feel like people need to hear it yeah. rather than looking at some of the social media yeah. trying to stop the
1: news. Yeah. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Living with Corona, Bridging the Gaps. As we move through this time and try to navigate and adjust to the new normal, we invite you to join in the conversation. It is only through each other that we can find sanity and solace. Our next episode will focus on the theme of loss that has left no person untouched. What implications will the individual and collective loss we're currently experiencing have on our society, communities, families, and selves? If you're intrigued by your questions and concerns,
2: please subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening now and follow us on Instagram at LimuWithCorona.podcast and our Facebook at Corona Bridging the Gaps, where you will find updates about our future episodes and interviewees.